Good morning. You're listening to My Rapids Real Estate Show on AM 1320 WFHR, your weekly radio show focusing on real estate, the market, and everything related to housing in central Wisconsin. Welcome back. I'm Ben. And I'm Carrie. And you are an agent with Codal Banker Seward Realtors here in Wisconsin Rapids. And I am your licensed assistant. Yes, that is correct. So this is a, a big day. It's a big move forward for us. We've been podcasting, um, trying to bring Central Wisconsin a, a little voice of real estate for the last couple of years. I, I think it's two years. Yep. we're well, Just shy of two years or just a little bit over? Well over 60 episodes. Oh, wow. Yep. So it's pretty good. And today we move into on-air radio. We do. So this will be Sunday, February 21st. We pre-recorded the shows to keep in line with our podcasting tradition. Mm-hmm. So Sunday the 21st, WFHR AM 1320. And I'm really hoping that it's at least 20 degrees outside because it is currently negative five below. Yeah, it's a few days ahead of few days ahead of the air date. Yeah. It's supposed to warm up. We're supposed to be pretty good. Well, let's hope so. We can we can't be any colder than we have been the last couple of weeks. Oh no. It can always get colder. We, we've we've seen it get colder, so <laughs> it was so cold we were pretty near the point where Celsius and Fahrenheit are the same. Mm-hmm. So pretty close to that. I mean, remember back a couple of years ago, we had the negative uh, 65 degrees. I mean, it was cold. Yep. Yep. That was pretty much the last couple of weeks as all of our listeners have just gone through yes. and hopefully survived. Yes. So to give sort of a, a background, if you haven't followed us and haven't listened to the podcast, we're going to spend some time and talk about the local area, how it relates to housing. We're going to talk about how to run through some simple parts of the transaction for buying and selling. Hopefully uh, provide some educational portions to that. We're going to look at the market here in the central Wisconsin area and nationally a little bit as well because they both kind of play into each other. They do. So we'll get some reports through the National Association of Realtors, uh, WRA, which is Wisconsin Association, and there's a lot of good industry blogs that we're going to pull from, as well as local knowledge. So we hope to have some guests coming on to the upcoming weeks and bring some specific knowledge to the, uh, to the show. Mm-hmm. It'll be a fun time. So here in hour one, we're going to go talk about uh, what had happened in the last week and talk to our guest, which today I really wanted for our first on-air broadcast to be about you and yourself and your real estate history, get to know a little bit more about, you know, Carrie Nikolai. All right. And then what are we going to finish up with on hour one? Um, it looks like we're going to have some upcoming projects. Right. So again, you know, kind of, you know, what are we doing as far as our, our house? We just recently purchased a, a, a new home to us. I don't want to say it's a new home because it's not new construction, but it's new to us. Like you say, it's gently used. She's a gently used home. And, you know, we do appreciate the homeowner who was here. We're the second homeowner for this particular property. And um, we're just grateful that they they did such a great job of of building the home. But now it's ready for those updates. So throughout, I want to say the next 10 plus years, we're going to be doing some updates to the house. Well, it seems like we're doing a whole lot of updates pretty quick here to make it a lot more of what we're used to and what we find has worked for our lifestyle. Yes. You know, it just, we needed those quick little, little bit of fixes that we needed to do. Um, we'll get into some of those projects a little bit later on in the show. Exactly. And then uh, in hour two, stick with us because we'll be back talking about the um, market update for our area. We're going to kind of go into where homes are selling uh, price points and some of those instances, just where are the market levels here in the Wisconsin Rapids area? Right. We're going to be looking at the availability in three different price ranges. So that way, listeners, you get a chance to kind of hear when we talk about what a low housing, low inventory for the housing market is. We'll kind of explain that it's just a little bit more in detail 
on the next hour. And then we'll be talking about some community events coming up. If we have open houses, sometimes we will, sometimes we won't. Um, perhaps some open houses throughout the office too, because we are always experiencing new houses coming onto the market. So we want to give you guys a heads up on that. Um, perhaps where we have dined, eaten out, or enjoyed coffee throughout the area. Ooh, I love my coffee. Yeah. And pie. And then we'll, um, like I said, touch on some of the uh, staged, styled, and sold blogs from the National Association of Realtors. This sounds like a really fun second hour. Of course. Definitely come back. All right. So, Carrie, what have we done in this last week? Well, in this last week, you know, we, like we said, we bought a, bought a new to us home. And the one thing that I really enjoyed having was in our laundry room to have a cleanable surface for the floor. So when we purchased this house back in October, it was a 1963 ranch, a quintessential ranch house built in the 60s. Yeah. Um, what they had done in the basement was finished off half of the basement with uh, walls, ceiling, carpeting, and the unfinished portion is the mechanical room with the laundry. Now, they had, throughout the years, put some paint on the wall and paint on the floor, but paint from... 20 years ago or 30 years ago, it gets used and it gets, you know, sloughed off and it's just life of paint that's on floors. So we went with repainting the wall. And what do we do to the floor? Well, I put it in the flooring tile. So it's just the, it's just the, the basic peel and stick. So my always concern is when you're taking out the laundry and it's just on a regular basement floor that is painted a very nice brown. You just can't tell where the dirt is. So when something hits the floor, you're not sure if you should go with that 30-second rule or if you just rewash the whole entire thing because you're just not sure what it really touched. And so we always, in the last house, we did the peel and stick flooring, which goes down pretty quick. In a couple hours, you can get a, a decent-sized chunk done. And so that's what we did. We put in the, the peel and stick flooring. We got a nice little marble pattern. It looks really tough. Is a calming gray marble. Yeah, we didn't go way top of the line with the uh, with the cost. We went kind of middle ground. Yeah, so. it was just a you know a really nice tile. So with the floor tile, so the peel and stick floor tile, there is always three different types that you can go with, and we had two different types at the last house, and the one we did before, it could have been grouted, so it was almost to that point where it was a tile tile and that one took the wear and tear so great it was awesome you could drop stuff on that sucker and it wouldn't chip but in this place we have a lot of special cuts that we need to do and that tile was a little bit harder to cut almost needed a special tool and not that I'm saying I don't like buying a tool oh come on we love buying tools I know especially if I can buy something that's you know kind of fun to use but it was just more the tool that we had to get would not been able to do the curves that needs to be done on this particular project. So going with a tile that's a little bit easier to cut, but is also going to be able to take the wear and tear that that room is going to have. And I think the traffic that we're going to have through the utility area of the, uh, the basement here is just foot traffic, really. Uh, in the more living portion, we're going to have rolly chairs and you know, moving cabinets around and things like that. So we're going to do a different product on this floor on this side. Well, this the other side of the wall where the family area is, we're going to go with something that's going to have that a little bit more of the insulation because the floor is cold. Well, and concrete. so, yeah. yeah, it's cold. So with having family down here and this is our forever home, so we're looking at grandchildren too, you know, having something that's going to be a little bit warmer is going to be more beneficial. So right now we're working with our laundry room, our utility room. Um, so that should probably take me at least maybe a good month to do, I think, because we've got to paint the walls and then put in the tile. And when we moved in, we knew we were going to have to change it. So we didn't really unpack. We just have all everything still in the boxes. So we have to move the boxes from one side of the room to the other side and then back again. I think there's some storage solutions that we're going to have to sort out as well. 
the shelving that was wood and nailed to the concrete walls, the concrete block just isn't going to fit what we're looking to do. And so we're going to take that down and paint behind it and put up something a little bit more modern. Yeah. So we're going to be looking at doing just a few things. And we've, I posted pictures. We're going to have some post pictures posted on our Facebook page. So, you know, definitely go take, take a look at our before and after shots of the utility room. Sounds good. The best way to keep up with our projects is to go to our social media accounts. Uh, Facebook and Instagram are the two most popular at the moment still. Um, I'm, I'm going to dabble in some other ones. I don't think I'll get into the TikTok, though. That doesn't seem to jive with what we want to do with our business. No, not no, at all. No, no, you're not, not very much a TikToker, are you, Carrie? No, I'm not. Check us out on the social media. And then if you want to find out more about or get in contact with us easily, head over to MyRapids.com. I'll take us right to our, our business page over at Codal Banker Seawork website. And instead of having to remember Carrie.Nikolai at CodalBankerSeawork.com, you can just go to MyRapids.com. And if you're looking for area info, head over to MyRapids.info. Now, one of the things that I, I really want to do with the show is get, you know, people involved and our listeners involved, especially when we have guests. So please feel free to email us questions at MyRapidsRadio at gmail.com. Set up a specific Gmail account just for the radio questions, and we can help you out. I going to monitor that all the time. It'll come right jingling to my phone. It'll be kind of cool. Yeah, sounds really awesome. So myrapidsradio at gmail.com to send us your questions and, you know, we'll try to answer those on the air in the following week and, you know, maybe post some stuff to the, uh, the guests that we have along as well. Excellent. That sounds like really, really great. Great ideas. So, Carrie, let's get to know a little bit more about you. Okay. How long have you been in real estate? I am going on four years right now. Yeah, it's been kind of a wild ride. It's been a very interesting. Along the way, I came on board in 2019. So that's going on two and a half years, I believe. Yeah. Something like that. And I'm licensed as well. Mm-hmm. So you get the both of us. Well, and the, the great thing about having you involved as well and being licensed is so that way, if we get into those busier season where we've got two families who want to go see two different homes and two different parts of the town, we can really divide and conquer. You can take a family to go take a look at a home and I can take another family and we can be in two different places at one time, which is pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. Or if something comes up in life and you need to take care of it, I can go on showings and I can write contracts and take care of the, the business end of things. Mm-hmm. And you've done a great job of taking care of, you know, the behind the scenes stuff. Once we get contracts, you get them. I am not the tech savvy person. Everyone knows that. Um, you know, just getting everything into the computer system so that way everything gets stays on track and, and able to be followed along. A lot of times, you know, two heads are better than one with some things. You know, we'll each catch the stuff that the other person misses on contracts or creative thinking on how to negotiate through a contract process. Maybe things will come up in a home inspection or just randomly throughout the, the series of the contract. Mm-hmm. Been pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So a little bit of your background. Tell us about yourself. Where, where, where'd you start? Um, you, you've lived here in the area for quite some time? Pretty much all my life, I was going to say. So I grew up down in Nakusa. So hometown of Nakusa. Go paper makers. And uh, Grew up down there and moved to Wisconsin Rapids shortly after high school and was a stay-at-home mom with my two wonderful children. And from there, I went to... You went to college. Oh, yeah, that's right. I did go to college. A couple times. A few times. Okay, so where was the first one? Okay, so the first one was over at Mid-State Technical College for... Um, early childhood education. So I got my my early childhood education done and I can write my letters, my numbers pretty cool. So it was kind of fun. It was fun taking a handwriting class. So you're used to working with children. Children. Okay. So then I stayed home with my kids for, for a little bit. And, you know, through the events of life, I ended up with a second chance to go back to college and do another tour of college. And so 
took my employer up on that and went to culinary school. Culinary school to be a chef. To be a chef. Now, any particular type of chef or just general restaurateur? It's just a general restaurateur. Um, with this particular degree, I went down. I went to Appleton over to Fox Valley Tech and got went through their program. So took my accredited course. So I I am a certified ACF chef. So that's kind of that's pretty cool. And uh, hung out in the culinary world for a good fifteen years. I think it's been 15 years. Yeah, my goodness, since about 2005. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 15 or 16. It's been a long time. It it has. So I hung out there for a little while and made some excellent food and some great connections. Now, mm. c- connections and were you a chef across the country or here locally? Just here locally. So I stayed over at the Hotel Mead for quite a few years and then did... I did a little bit over at Bullseye Country Club. So kind of in between the hotel and Bullseye, I did a little bit. I went back to my roots of childcare and did a, a couple years in 4K. So it was kind of fun up in Stevens Point. So I kind of stayed kind of close to home with some things I knew. Very good. Yeah. So pretty diverse background. Now, how are you relating that to real estate? So with relating that to real estate, so what, how getting transferred from a chef and then switching completely different directions into real estate, I met J.R. Seward and we started talking at a, at a private event that I was catering and he looked at me, he goes, I think you, I think we need to talk. I think you'd be, just give me a call. We need to talk. So went in and talked with him and he's like, yep. He goes, I think you should be good with this. Come work, come work for me. And it, the rest is pretty much history. JR is just one of the most genuine people I, I've met. He's caring and he'll, he'll just put it out there. Uh, I, I don't want to say in a, a childlike, but in very genuine, a very innocent manner. I mean, the guy is very smart. It's one of the things that I really enjoy working with uh, Coto Banker Seward. I do. It's a it's a family owned operation, and they definitely put family first. Any time in the last four years, we've had a situation with our kids where our youngest went off to college. We'll just use him as an example. You know, he went off to college. He was having a rough day, and he wasn't feeling the best. And so needed to take a couple of days off to go help take care of him because he was not, he was not in good shape. He was, he was quite sick. And right away, JR automatically just did the, you need to be with family. Family is first in this business. You make sure you take care of your own. So went off and took care of Matt and you were able to stay home and take care of the business and make sure that everything was all going smoothly. So it was a great, it was a great opportunity. Almost like we had planned it. I know. We well, not the sick part. Not, not the sick part. Yeah. No, that was actually pretty bad. Yeah, he was down for a week. I mean, he was he was a sick, sick little kid. Mm-hmm. But this was a a while ago, a few years. Yeah. So it has nothing to do with the current pandemic. Thank no, goodness. no. Well, has been great with that too. His his focus has always been the safety of us as agents and the clients that we service and customers that we help along the way. Mm-hmm. It's been it's been great. The uh, longevity as well. Now, family owned over 85 years. And even when senior comes into the office, he's still smart and bubbly. Oh, yes. A couple of times we ask him some real estate questions and he... He's sharp as a tack. He still still has it and he'll still answer all the questions. In his 90s. Yes. You can only be so blessed. I know. Oh, well, that's great. Let's see. Back in 2019, I came on board. And... Now, we, we've been married for a few years. Uh, we got married back in 2012, and we met each other along the way, both working at the hotel meet. And I'd been at the hotel taking care of the front office and maintenance crew and more of that end, and you were doing culinary. So I had one end of the staff, and you had all the rest of the staff, and it started working out pretty good. I think that's one of the things that we really bring into the real estate 
realm is the working together and we've been working together since oh goodness 2006 2007 over at the hotel somewhere in there i I started i believe a month before you did in 2005 yeah so along the way and you grew up into the management sector and so did i so managing employees and having to at least on my side I, i was doing a lot of contract management because with uh managing the facilities portion of it it was more than just like the front desk and the uh, the housekeeping staff it was also okay now we need to get chemicals for the laundry i need to go and price out chemicals and then take specific contracts because of the amount of chemicals that we're using etc cetera, etc cetera, for managing the pool so the housekeeping cleanliness and the pool cleanliness it kind of all goes hand in hand with that so it, it's been quite a good ride uh, when I was at the hotel, I was also doing the information technology portion, so that's why I'm a little bit more better with the technology than you are some days. I think the technology just doesn't like me. And that's okay. I'm here to help. It's really neat. Um, this last year with the uh, pandemic ruling through really helped us focus our technology that we had been doing anyway, you know, the podcasting and getting these sort of supplemental social things underway and out to our customers and clients to get the news out there, you know, going live on Facebook and producing videos and getting all the excellent photos and 3D tours of our properties, you know, stuff we were doing anyway. Now it just came to the forefront. Wow. You know, people need the technology to get into the homes. So it's not just, hey, let's go on tour and let's tour 20 houses today. But it's it's not that anymore. You're looking online and really focusing down, and then we go see the one or two that you really want to possibly see yourself in and write an offer on. Right, and with the low inventory that we have, it's I want to take a look at these three homes, and by the time that we get to getting out the showing set up, maybe we're only really looking at one because the other two already are underneath contract as fast as these homes are flying off the shelf. So it all really depends. And really doing the uh, the 360 walkthrough and that way you can go already go online. I love how you do the 360 tour because you can take a look at the countertop. You can look at the flooring. You can look at the crack that's in the ceiling. You can look at everything. So that's that's a really huge added bonus of what you do to all of our, all of our listings that we have. Well, the 360 tour, I think, really helps people uh, enjoy the space and understand how space is tied together. Uh, the, the pictures can only show so much. Mm-hmm. They're only one perspective, one viewpoint. And a lot of times a, a good photographer will take advantage of the best parts of each viewpoint. And you know, sometimes you just can't get everything into a shot. And so you strategically miss the you know, crack in the trim that's right next to whatever part of something, as an example. Right. We've, we've also, I mean, a lot of our sellers, once they, they've seen that, they're like, I didn't notice that, that crack there. Or I didn't notice that transition the way that it, it is, you know, because they're, they're in the house all the time. So it's something that you may not notice, but then when you're looking at it in a completely different view, it's like, wow, I didn't really know that the technology is here to be able to look at our countertop in that way or the doors. They're like, okay, this is really cool. I am so glad. I wish they had this when we were looking for a home. So that way we didn't have to go look at 10 to find the one that we wanted because the flow didn't work well for us. My favorite one is, is really the, the layout part of it. Um, I did a, an assignment today for another agent in our office, and it's a five-bedroom house. But the main primary bedroom was on the first floor, the, the ground level. Two of the bedrooms were on the opposite side of the house on the ground level. And then the other two bedrooms were in the basement lower level. So if I just had general standard photography, you might not understand exactly where all the bedrooms are in relationship to themselves. So I think that's the biggest challenge that the 360 overcomes. And you can just spend as much time as you want clicking through the house. So if you want to spend a half hour trying to figure out where things are and 
how you might put your furniture in it and things like that. You can actually go through and just be in the space before you even get there. Right. Which is kind of cool. I think it's a really, really nice asset that we have. And of course, I do enjoy that I'm one of the few uh, drone photographers who is FAA licensed and insured. So you know that I'm making that concerted effort to be a good steward of the airspace and do everything right and buy the book. I kind of pride myself on that. So we actually just upgraded our drone, a little bit better photography and some video uh, about a month ago. Once the temperatures warm up, I'll get out flying again. That's bad. These, these negative temperatures are just horrible. Yes, it is. So even though I enjoy technology, the hands-on portion of real estate is, is something that you really enjoy. Like um, being take, taking your hobbies and your crafts and putting that into, you know, like our closing gifts. And I always keep telling people, you know, we come from a long line of, crafters we're we're a crafty family crafty carry because you know i was we're looking you know going through homes and you know they've got the homemade quilts and everyone's like oh that's got to be so hard to do i already do quilting or i find out that the buyer is looking for a quilting group to to become part of as they're moving to the rapids area i'm like oh well i'm already part of a quilting group be happy to help you get it connected with them and they're like oh my gosh, you quilt. So then we spend a couple minutes talking about quilting and what they're into as far as their type of quilting because there's different types. So we always get to spend a little bit of time. And then when we get to our closing table, it's always a little bit more fun because we always, like you said, we try to take all of our crafts and our hobbies and kind of put it into all of our work. So we make those, we make a very beautiful little handmade basket. We changed it up this year, didn't we? We added in the blue we added some colors yeah but one of the things i really like about Coldwell banker is colors it's what i'm used to mm-hmm. um i went to school at assumption so royal blue yep yep then along the way um my motorcycle training a lot of that was through the dot and you know, the state of wisconsin and the state patrol aspect of it so state patrol blue and we got Coldwell banker blue yeah so, so every once in a while, as you know, we go on showings, we'll, you'll notice my hands are a little bit on the blue side. It's not because I'm that cold. It's just probably because I've been playing with some reed and I've been dyeing some, some colors and I sometimes get my hands dyed very blue. You still don't like the temperature though. This, this, no, I don't. This cold weather is not good for us. No, but it's kind of fun going to a showing and you're trying to, you know, you're opening up cupboard doors and your hands are, are slightly, or the tips are blue. And you have to explain to everyone what you just got done doing. And even this weekend. So last Sunday, we was too cold to play in the basement. So made up three more baskets and the fingertips were blue because we're working with the blue dyed reed and it stains everything just a little bit. But once we seal it, it does not stain after that. Then it's once it's got that seal coat on there, you can set it on anything and it won't turn it blue. But prior to that. So I think it's really cool. One of the other things we put in our closing baskets is jelly. It is. We have this fabulous blueberry lime jelly that we make. And we, you know, it's a secret family recipe, but it's really not. So Because we give it away. We give it away. And that's something that really ties into your background with being, you know, the culinary aspect. Well, it kind of ties So into our background, because this is the same blueberry lime jelly that we gave away as a party favor at our wedding. So when we got married, I made all the party favors. So everybody walked away with these little tiny four ounce jars of jelly. And we had three different kinds. And everybody just loved the blueberry lime. So here's a pro tip from us who have been in hospitality and been through many, many weddings. You want to save money, make some stuff yourself. The, yes. The party favors yourself, the table decorations yourself. And if you do something different, like <laughs> hand out jars of jelly to everyone, years afterwards, they will still be talking about the jelly. Although I, I hope you eat the jelly sooner than years later. We didn't have much jelly left over. No, we didn't. It was pretty good. Uh, there was one time where it didn't set up. It didn't coagulate so well. 
So it was a little bit more syrupy, a little bit more runny. But it was great for ice cream and cheesecake. Oh, it was great for ice cream. Yeah. And cheesecake. Yeah. So if, if you like those sort of things. There are options. And even in our even on our recipe card, we even put it on there. If it doesn't set up, no worries. It still can be eaten for ice cream. And then we, we take that, we give them the recipe at, at closing. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, a touch point, you know, we want to keep our contact, you know, keep top of mind with, with the people who we've worked with because everybody knows everybody else. And hopefully we'll be your go-to real estate team. And you want to think, hey, you know, Carrie and Ben, they can help you with your real estate. If you want to buy or sell, yeah, give Carrie a call. And so we'll keep the, uh, the recipes, we'll keep them coming. We do. And the great thing is, is we've helped out several family members. So we may have helped out the brother first. And then they got used to all of our treats that we send out to all of our past buyers and sellers. And then when their sister or brother start looking for a home or their parents start looking for a home, their first thought is, you got to give Ben and Carrie a call because they give us things. We get treats throughout the year. So one thing all of our clients look forward to is the cookies at Christmas. So every year we make at least four different types of cookies. For everybody that we've ever worked with? For everyone that we worked with for that particular year. Because otherwise I would have to probably just be baking like for a whole entire month. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. You would have had to have started like before Halloween and just gone all the way through Thanksgiving. Yeah, because we, we tried to figure out. So the first year, we tried to figure out this whole entire what to do at Christmas time. So when you first start in real estate, you know, you get to, you know, depending upon when you start, there's always what do you do at Christmas time? Between Thanksgiving and Christmas, what do you do? You know, do you do something for Thanksgiving or you do something for Christmas? So we kind of picked Christmas. And so talking with JR about, you know, a really good touch point that people are going to remember. And he knew about, about my culinary background. And I'm like, well, what if I just make them cookies? I'll just make them four different types of cookies. And I'll just go around and I will give them a half a dozen of each cookie. And we'll do that. Well, he started to sit down and start figuring out the math for me of how many cookies I would actually need to make based upon his numbers at that particular time. And it come to find out the subsequent years we've been running easily 30 transactions a year. So figure one, and then on top one of it, or two for each transaction. Right. So we also do our vendors too. So all of our lenders that we work with, our home inspectors, everybody gets them. Because sometimes they have to put up with some really weird situations. Sometimes the contracts go a little sideways. Sometimes maybe someone's a little bit crabbier on one end or the other. So this is kind of like a smooth the deal out type of situation. But I mean, we do appreciate our vendors just because they do, they, we give them phone calls at late at night. We send them emails and they have been super great to work with. And so they deserve it. They, they do, they deserve their pat on the back. And sometimes we have them out and working when it's negative 30 degrees because you need a home inspection, you need a, a well or a septic inspection. We're going to say, Hey, please bat our eyes. And then, you know, at Christmas time, we'll think of them with some, some cookies. Yep. So we kind of came up with, Jer had suggested that maybe I would just stick to one because he figured out that I would need to make, you know, close to 60 dozen cookies. And he thought that was just a little bit too much at that particular time. So he suggested only do one per year. And so I started off with doing four per year. And really with, with the background, I mean, it's really, I, JR is just always really amazed that I can pull this, this off because he gets the cookies every year and he's just amazed of the cookies I come up with. And he's like, and you did this for everybody. I'm like, yep. It was only like 56,000 to make this year. And really that sounds like a lot. It's, it's not. It really isn't. I mean, you, you understand how many dozen goes into a batch and you just start baking and it actually goes pretty fast it does and we do a test batch every year so usually yeah. come about october end of october beginning of november 
I start doing the the test batches. So I'll find the recipe and I'll make I'll make that that cookie of just a plain single batch and try to figure out how many are going to be in each one to how many times we have to make it. And sometimes those test batches don't come out very well. And then we just nix the cookie to begin with and we move on to the next one. Yeah, but I'm usually your guinea pig. I know, but we have an office this time. That's true. Yeah. And we feed the office. <laughs> and all the other great agents that we work with, we appreciate you as well. Yes. Even with the, the crazy science projects that sometimes come up with the cookies. Oh, they even get the samples of the jellies. So mm-hmm. they get everything. Really, that one year that it didn't set up and we were so sad, but then so overjoyed that it went on like the cheesecake and the ice creams very, very well. Yeah. So yeah, we make sure we take care of our clients and we take care of our vendors too, to make sure that everybody gets a little bit of something. So then you're wondering, well, what do we do with all of the other people that we've had? Hey, Carrie, what do we do with all the previous clients that we've had? So the previous clients, they just then get the recipes. So we send them a thank you card. We send them a Christmas card. We send them the recipes and we go, and this is what we made this year. So that way they get an opportunity. They can still get the the recipes and they can make the cookies. And they know if it's coming from me, that has got to be a pretty awesome cookie to go eat. So Carrie from Codal Bankers Recipe Cookbook. We're not quite there yet. Not quite there. No, we're working our way towards it, though. We are. We are. Now, one of the reasons why this works so well for our area is that we're, we're pretty laid back here in central Wisconsin. I mean, we're not as affluent over the entire portion as like some of the, the bigger areas, Madison or Milwaukee, Chicago. And we have, however, a lot of secondary homes and we see those people come up from Chicago and uh, put in a, a secondary house up here, you know, because we're up north. Mm-hmm. And I think they really appreciate that, you know, more of a, a personal hometown feel to our closing gifts. They do. And it's kind of kind of interesting because then they'll go back home to their agent and do the, well, this is what they did for me up there. Are you going to do the same thing? Well, maybe they just give them a set of knives. Could be. Those are always fun at our, uh, the, uh, the expo center going through all the closing gift opportunities, you know, and it's really just a little something. It's not supposed to be anything financially, um, enormous because that, that's not the purpose of it. It's just to stay top of mind with our clients. No, just a little thank you for, for working with us. And, you know, we always enjoy all of our clients that we have. It's always been been a great great time and then as another kind of giveaway or takeaway when we do other expos um like the the home show used to be or the wedding expo mm-hmm. you have calendars with recipe cards on them yep so again you know just trying to take the real estate and tie it into things that we know one of the, one of the reasons why we also do this is we understand you're only going to be making such a big investment in your house a few times in your life. And so we're, you know, maybe we don't help you through a transaction for another eight or 10 years, but you're always going to be cooking in your house. Right. I mean, there, there's so much more to enjoy while being a homeowner than just you know, buying and selling it. You know, and along the way you're building equity and you know, we'll try to help you out with some easy ways to build equity, you know, painting and redoing some flooring projects like that. Yeah, we always talk about when we take a buyer through the house, whether this is your first time buying a home, the second, the third, the 15th. We always like to ask those questions about what are the plans in two years, in three years, in five? Do you ever expect to have 15 people in this house, depending upon the size? So that way they get the idea of, hmm, Maybe this kitchen is a little too small because I know that I've got to have the, it's my turn for Thanksgiving. Is this really going to hold me, my sister, and my mom all trying to cook? Or is the basement going to be big enough to hold the 30 people for the swim meet, for the pre, pre-meal for the swim meet? You know, is it going to be big enough? Or do we just need to make sure that we always get the Easter 
for the 4th of July so that way we can be outside. Or having all of our friends come over for Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, yes. The Dungeons and Dragons. That was an awesome selling point at that one house. It was. So, you know, just are you going to have that backyard oasis? Are you going to be able to have that opportunity? Is there going to be a possibility for that in the backyard just to try to get our buyers and sellers just thinking forward of this is my here and now of what I need, but things may change. Do I need that home office? Am I going to need that place in the backyard to store the extra motorcycles? Or do you want a space that you can get outdoors so that you're away from the home office? You know, I think a lot of a lot more people have been finding the house that they thought was good for them. Now through a whole change in an economic situation just isn't. You know, they're at home more. They need more of a division of space. Maybe the, they have too large of a house. You know, a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, so it's just a matter of, you know, Going and seeing the houses and kind of talking of, you know, well, what if? Well, I was like to throw out the what if question. Well, what if you got a third dog? Is the house going to be big enough to, to handle the large husky that you are now bringing home? Oh, huskies are so cool, though. They're a lot of work. They are. They are adorable. We're not getting a husky. No, we're not. We're getting a German Shepherd. No, we're sticking with cats. That's true. So, you know, it's just, you know, what are... We need you to be thinking of, you know, the here and now, this is going to solve your, your immediate needs. But what about in, in three years when the kids do go off to college? Is this going to be too big of a home for you? Or what projects are you able to take on? What, what's your comfort level with taking on projects? Some people are just comfortable with cleaning the floor and the bathtub. Other people are, you know, in that next level up where they can paint. Or they're comfortable having someone come in and redo the floors, you know, put new carpet or refinish the floors, but not. Mm-hmm. And then there's, well, there's other people who are very much more handy and they can move walls. You know, they're, they're okay with tackling those projects or the budget of finding a contractor to do that. And we can help with that too. Yeah. We got a long list of people who we enjoy working with that we know that you'll be enjoy working with. So if you have ideas for projects, go ahead shoot them an email over to us. Our email for the radio show is myrapidsradio at gmail.com. Very cool. And if you're looking for houses, head on over to myrapids.com. And it's a quick inventory of houses that are for sale in the area. So mm-hmm. That's always being updated. Our, our feed is right from the multiple listing service. So one of the things that we did over the weekend too is we had to purchase a air filter for our furnace. Now, we had a get a special air filter from my understanding. So I am not that all tech savvy of, you know, what kind of furnace filter we are supposed to get. But I know that there's a large variety of filters. Yeah, it's kind of daunting when you walk into the home center and there's an entire wall filled with possible choices for furnace filters. Now, our last furnace, which was super old, it had a lovely, we had to roll it out and put it into some sort of cage and stick it into the furnace. I mean, it was an older furnace. It was a fuel oil burning furnace. Mm-hmm. Yep. So totally different than what I grew up with, where it was the little cardboard, where it had the little corrugated white, it looked like the dryer sheet. And it, it was just, you know, the half inch thick, where dad always just kind of took it out, slapped a new one in. and furnace filters changed and now we've got these more gigantic ones that are four inches thick some I think are maybe a little bit larger so what 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 do we do when we try to find the furnace filter I mean where do we look first understanding your furnace appliance and kind of generally how it works you know it brings in air from parts of your house but go through a filter go through a blower that blows it over a heating element, the heat transfers into the air, and then it gets pushed back through ducts into the other registers in your house, the the ones where you can feel the heat coming out of. So understanding the air coming into the furnace usually comes in on the bottom, and the filter is going to be on the portion of the ductwork coming into the furnace. 
So you want to filter it before it gets to the, the blower. Makes sense. Yeah, where you can pull out, you know, uh, pet dander and dust and stuff like that, contaminants before it clogs up your, your blower. Okay. So we always, always suggest that you get a professional in at least once, if not twice a year between your heating and cooling seasons to check over your equipment. And most of the time they'll, ch- they'll help you change a filter, but really filters need to be changed about every three months or so, especially, you know, these times of the year where you're in your house so much, you're just producing a lot of dirt and dander and, and nasty junk. And it doesn't help when we have a cat running around the house yet too. So we have one. So we've got the fox. She's a cute little black cat. Which is why I mostly wear black clothing. Yep. So when we're looking for the furnace filter, so they've got the HEPA filters, they've got different levels of as far as air cleaning quality, or is it just like a straight furnace filter is a furnace filter? You have choices. We have choices. So of course you always have choices. <laughs> Too many choices. The uh, the HEPA is high efficiency particulate air. Um, it's a, a very thickly woven sort of filter media. Then you have filter media that's less dense, less thickly woven. And your um, if you see numbers on the side of a filter as far as MERV, is it's very popular. Or like uh, 3M has their own section that it's like the 600 versus the 1200. So the bigger numbers are always, it's going to be more effective at catching particles. The thing to understand is the size of your filter, first of all, because you don't want to get a filter that's 24 inches when your system can only handle a 16-inch filter. That's just the wrong size. And it's usually printed on the side of the filter. So finding your filter and then taking it out, that's a good start. A lot of times, replacing with what you have is a good idea, but sometimes you can do better. So the higher number is how much more filtration the the filter can handle. Okay, how much more stuff it pulls out of the air. So here's a question. Yeah. So if, okay, so we're going to take our furnace as, as an example. Right. So let's do, it's a typical standard filter. Okay, so usually it'll be a one-inch thick filter. Okay, so I want to filter it really well, so I go and I get like a high-efficiency filter, and I put it in there. Is that going to like damage the furnace? I mean, can you get too much of a filter that is not going to, it's not going to be good for the furnace at all because it's not really, the furnace is not meant to have that type of filter in it. One of the biggest problems is that it, if you get a very, very high efficiency filter, as far as it'll pull everything out of the air that you can think of, then it'll get clogged really fast. Um, I, I just did some research and found a, a YouTuber called Project Farm, and he went through different types of filter and different filter media, but also how the filter is constructed. So what he found is that even with a one-inch filter, if you have one with a whole lot of pleats, like some filters you see only have 10 pleats and others have 50 pleats. If you have more pleats and there's more of the general valley for the junk to get caught in and more area for it to spool around and divert the air so the air still keeps flowing and it doesn't get clogged quite as fast. Okay. So the more pleats also means that there's more media, there's more filter paper in there. And that way you've got more filtered clog before it actually suffocates the furnace. Now, our furnace has a four inch. So, with our four inch filter, it's just the right. I think I went with the Merv 7, so middle of the road. They'll still pull out a lot of you know, allergens and particulates, but it's not going to get clogged very easily. So, also with the deep filter, you know, we've got a lot of pleats and they're deep pleats, and so it'll help the furnace keep running very efficiently. I think that's really important here, especially with our, I mean, this last couple of weeks were just wicked cold. And to have your furnace running and breathing well, you know, that, that'll keep it running so that it's not going to give out on you when you most need it. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and even changing the filter even once a month is not really going to hurt it. What's going to hurt the furnace if you only change it once a year. Exactly. Yep. It'll get too clogged too quick. So it's kind of like changing the oil in your car. So when your car gets an oil change, you need to be changing the filter in the furnace. Right? Yeah. About every three months or 3,000 miles. There you go. Although with the new synthetic oils, you can push that out a little bit longer. Oh, yeah. That's a topic for another day. But just remember, change the oil, change the furnace filter. And then uh, some quick safety tips here when it gets really bitter cold. Um, keep an eye on your furnace. If something starts sounding really weird, get it maintenanced. Call the professionals right away. Well, we also run into deep snow. We had this happen to us at the last house. You know, the snowbank in the backyard got too, too, too dripped. It drifted. It was drifty. It was yeah. drifty. It, it was the west side of the house, so it drifted right on into the, into the house. So we had a snowbank that covered the intake valve. Right, the intake or, and, and exhaust. The yeah. two so plastic the, pipes that were right next to each other on the outside of your house. And the furnace would always cut off. It would try to start, but I, safety features. I only missed it once. It, it turned itself it. off. Right. So 6 a.m., you're out there tramping through the three foot snow drift and trying to dig out the furnace, the furnace intake. So that way the furnace would run properly and we would have heat because it would do an automatic shutdown. So one thing to really realize is you're a homeowner and you, you need to take care of your house a little bit. There are some things that you need to keep an eye on. Well, it's always really hard to talk about winter time concerns when it's 80 degrees outside and we do the and this is how much snow you get to show. You know, here you go. So, well, we're wrapping up here at our first hour. We'll probably catch back. Listen. Bleh. So we're wrapping up our first hour here. Um, stick with us after this commercial break. And we'll be right back. tuned and come back for hour two of my rapids real estate show where we take a deep dive into central wisconsin real estate market and more housing related topics <laughs> 